When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the Geekscape Book Club. I, we are very excited to be here to uh, get back into your lives. And we're talking about Flashpoint. It took us a little while to get this on the books. But as always, I am Christian Blatt here on the Geekscape Network. And for the very first time on this show, but we've been on a, a couple other things before. Yeah. Uh, Garrett Brionis. Garrett, thank you for uh, being on today. Of course, Christian. I was so excited when you you reached out to me and asked me if I wanted to be part of this. I love talking comics. I, I always try and bring up comics when I'm on the Geekscape main show because yeah. I love them and everything is based on them now. So might as well give love to the source material. Right. And specifically this source material, yeah, you and I were on the main Geekscape show with Jonathan London and the all capital letters, the Ian Kerner. I, it was, uh, I've, I've watched so many of those movie specials. It was a little surreal to actually be on one, but we had a great <laughs> conversation and you and I both had copies of flashpoint. So I messaged you afterwards yes. like, Hey, I'm, I read this for the geekscape book club. Uh, why don't you, uh, come on? Uh, and there you have the, uh, the snazzy, uh, that's the yes. five, uh, the all five issues in one trade paperback, right? Yeah. Fresh off the presses, glossy as can be. Right, exactly, and uh, I I got mine at uh, when I when I went to Comic Con Revolution uh, back in May. I knew I was going to okay. be doing this as our next show, so Smart. I was very excited to get it. And uh, I so uh, the idea for Geekscape Book Club is usually that at least someone has never read the story before, and in this case, it's me. I actually hadn't read it before, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, I read it after. Let me see if I, yeah, I read it after seeing the movie and because I knew that we weren't going to, we usually try to get the, the comic book, you know, the book club before the movie comes out. But this mm-hmm. time I was like, all right, well, we didn't have it on the books. I'm going to go see the movie first this time. So it was really interesting to kind of watch. We'll talk about the story itself. We'll compare it a little bit to flash. We can talk about the movie in a non-spoilery way. When you look at the mm-hmm. box office receipts, apparently a lot of people haven't seen it. So we don't need to spoil it. I think that's that when people do go see it, they'll enjoy it. But yeah. uh, it's all right. You know, Fast X is still in the theaters. Spider-Verse yeah. is still in the theaters. Jennifer Lawrence has a comedy in the theaters. You know, there's a lot going on. I, I'm going to go see the new Wes Anderson movie tonight. So, I, you know, there's I, a lot going I'm... on. Doing the same. I'm having a double feature on Sunday. I'm seeing Asteroid City and Elemental. So oh, that'll be great. I, I enjoyed Elemental. So see, there's oh. so many good movies out right now, and I think The Flash is one of them. So what was your familiarity with the Flashpoint storyline prior to the Flash movie coming out? 
Garrett. So um, in my hometown, it's a very small place. Uh, we don't ha- we, there's no comic book store back there. And so anytime I would be able to get yeah, single issues, trades, anything, um, usually it was either my family is going to the beach and I know a comic book store there. Um, and uh, I went to Universal Studios and they have a comic book shop, you know, or like more like figuring things like that uh, shop, everything. Uh, things from another world. And um, this is around, this was 2011. This is when the book came out and it was right as the new 52 was kicking off DC's most recent big, or well, not most recent, but their biggest uh, reboot in recent years right. where they refreshed everything. And uh, they had the fifth issue of flashpoint that up until recently, that was the only issue I had read. Um, I, because I knew every beat of the story already, and I've watched the animated film, uh, that is based on this, uh, very story, Justice League, the Flashpoint Paradox. I have watched that film many a time, so I'm very, uh, I, I know many of the, the wide beats, and it was, uh, so it was interesting to finally get to sit down and just read the five issue story in its entirety recently. Right, because obviously, you know, it it is by no means a literal adaptation, but the concept of Flashpoint is the inspiration for the Flash movie, and they also did it on the TV show, and you're talking about the animated uh, film. So there, this is uh, ground that's been covered, uh, and obviously this sort of, you know, popping over to a a starkly different reality, obviously – uh, you know, what comes to mind uh, first with that is always X-Men Days of Future Past. But then there's also the uh, Age of Apocalypse. You know, yes. the, uh, the uh, Legion goes back in time planning to kill Magneto. And whoops, he kills his dad, Charles Xavier. Oops. Yeah, that's a, that's a big that's what we call a whoops. Don't you hate when that happens? Yeah. So tonally, this felt and not that it was derivative in any way, but it reminded me of what it was like because, you know, when you're an old man like me, you read Age of Apocalypse when it was new and it was coming out month to month, and mm-hmm. you always knew it was going to go back. But like the ride was like, yeah, how are they going to do this? And so that was kind of the feeling. I like that this starts the Flashpoint comic series where Barry just wakes up and he's like, huh? You know what I mean? We don't see what happens before. We don't get that till a few issues in. So what were, for you, some of the biggest surprises for actually reading those first four issues you knew the beats you'd seen it kind of done in in other uh formats but what did uh what were some of the things that came to mind when you actually read this for real from the comics what i really liked was uh because this book started off it was supposed to just be another story arc in jeff johns's uh flash run at the time you know he brought him back i have another uh trade here this one i've owned for years uh, flash rebirth for our video people watching right. uh that where barry allen came back in a big way in in some ways he supplanted the current flash at the time wally west and this story was just supposed to be another flash story but making it a separate event you kind of have to catch people up to speed and what i really liked and i hadn't and it doesn't really carry over into any of the other issues is um the first issue has a really fun framing device where someone is writing in a journal uh, I, I didn't even know about this framing device having not read the, the first issue. Um, and we, we reveal on the last page that it's Thomas Wayne that's writing this. Um, and I think that that was just such a, a smart way to not only get the reader up to speed on the, the, you know, what Thomas knows about the DC universe, what he knows about Barry Allen. And then also immediately it, it's the thing that lets us know what the, the last page reveal is, is that Thomas Wayne is Batman. Um, so that was one thing. And then 
something that the um the animated and you know animated adaptations don't have and that the the show ones don't have is just they don't have um that ability they, they have to meet a certain runtime you know a tv show has to only have so many minutes a yeah. movie only has so many minutes and so I think that the book itself had a lot of time to flesh out the world. You know, the animated adaptation has a similar scene to uh, Cyborg stopping Batman, but it doesn't involve this like, you know, group voting session where everyone's like, I represent this part of the universe. And I think we should go after the Amazons and the Themyscarans and um, just having that, that ability to sit in the world more, have a character like element woman, uh, have all these different, you know, get to spend more time with the Shazam family, you know, Captain Thunder. Um, that is something that the other adaptations, uh, that the adaptations didn't really have is that benefit of we can spend a few more pages setting these things up. And then obviously many of these concepts spun off into their own tie-ins. They have all these different uh, writers contributing to the Flashpoint universe. And so I would definitely say getting to see just a little bit more of what this world actually is outside of just Barry, Thomas, and so on. You know, it's interesting because I'm going to borrow from a, the wrong multiverse here, but in uh, Across the Spider-Verse, they talk about the canon events in each mm -hmm. of the realities. And the interesting thing that we find, no matter what Barry did to change things, there's still a Batman. It happens to be Thomas mm -hmm. Wayne here. And yet there's still a Batman. And it's also like, when Thomas Wayne says, yeah, I'm not going to help you, everybody's like, yeah, we were going to do it if Batman was there, but without Batman, you know, so he's still got that same kind of stature in this very different universe, despite the fact that he also, like Bruce Wayne, he doesn't have powers. He's got gadgets and he's really smart. So I thought that that was kind of a really cool comparison. And I didn't know enough about the comic book version of the story that I knew it was Thomas Wayne even. Uh, mm -hmm. So I think as that first issue goes along, you start to think that I guess it could be Batman, but I'm just assuming it's Bruce because yeah. you know Bruce Wayne's Batman. Huh. So uh, I thought it was really it was really an interesting sort of turn of events that it was Flash. I'm sorry that uh, Flash was interacting with Thomas Wayne, mm -hmm. and, and that he was actually Batman. So uh, you know I think that that was a that's a good surprise for the uh, end of an issue, and I can only imagine you know when this was first out on the stands. Uh, you know, just having your having your mind blown, and then like I gotta wait a month. But instead, yeah. when you read the trade paperback, you just flip the page. Yeah, you just you know immediately what happens next. And yeah. you know that character that that iteration has, uh, it, which is funny to say that any version of Batman is the breakout character because it's it's it's, Bat it's Batman. Um, but that character has gone on to be the breakout star of this series. You know, he he it's such a great design it is a really interesting idea and there you know he showed up in tom king's batman run uh he showed up in the build-up to uh dc's dark crisis event he had his own semi-sequel to flashpoint flashpoint beyond and i think it is just it's just such a a simple idea that you just you know what happened if uh you know this Joe Chill decided to kill Bruce. You know, his gun went off and he killed Bruce instead and what that does to to Thomas and Martha. And uh, something I really, um, I think is a, not a misconception, but something I always see kind of lobbied at this story is, well, if Barry just changed his, his mom dying, why did that affect everything? And I really like the book's description of, it's not just that he changed that. When he, it took so much energy, so much of the speed force, so much of everything for him to go back in time and change something 
that he he broke space time that he he was a they describe it as he was like a bullet through time and so right. it made it wasn't even just like a, a butterfly effect it was that that kinetic energy that that you know whatever the magic of the speed force just destroyed everything it made the rocket that clark kent came in come on it made it miss it went completely over i thought that was such an interesting way to describe the time travel yeah which you know is of course this part of the conversation is reminiscent of the great uh spaghetti metaphor in the film yes. you know when michael keaton holds up the bowl of spaghetti and it's like you know because there's the idea that time is a straight line and then it gets all jumbled up but yeah when you mm -hmm. jumble it up there's there's it's really basically it's more like a tidal wave and yeah that yeah. can go back through time so what you can argue is you know going back in time and stopping something from happening uh you don't necessarily fix everything you know yeah. uh and uh that's that's one of the one of the thoughts about the way that the flash film ended which i don't think i'm giving that much away but there's a yes. uh, there's a there's a fun moment uh at the end of the film but anyway so i think it's also cool when you know, creators get to have one of these, you know, I, I, I'll refer back to Age of Apocalypse. They have the, the Wolverine with the one claw hand and the other one's a big adamantium yes. stump. So we have a very different Arthur Curry. We have a, a very different uh, Diana. We have a very different Wonder Woman. And just sort of, you know, well, what if, what if they were actually, they didn't have the best interests of uh, Earth yes. in mind. And uh, I think one of the most interesting things, of course, is, uh, you know, and this is they they had a spin on this in the Flash film, but we get to see Kal El. We get to see you know a a version of Superman who you know was was held was found and held and all that, and you know he's not known in this world as Superman, but because Barry knows to look for him, they're able to find it. And uh, I thought that that was actually kind of cool, uh, you know, to see that. And what I do like is. Yes, we've seen dark and evil Superman uh, iterations, but usually it's like, yes, he flies away. But if you know the character, he has to kind of he, basically he has to plug in and recharge his his electric car. You know, yeah. he'll come back and usually he is going to do the right thing, even in a, after being mistreated. And uh, Kara is the same way in the Flash film. You know, she's horribly mistreated, but everybody's seen in the trailers. You know that she's obviously helping out. So, mm. I I think it's important that uh, you know. Oh, but if you mistreat Kal El, he's actually going to be worse than Zod. You know. Uh, but yeah. I wanted to get your thoughts on on how Superman is portrayed in Flashpoint. Uh, I'm I'm a huge Superman fan. Superman is it's my guy. Um and. I I do really like that you know Superman is, is often seen as a you know very patriotic character or you look at something like The Dark Knight Returns where he is almost I don't want to say a lackey but he is very much following the orders of the U.S. government and I like that and I don't and I think the movie kind of shows this I don't know if this story came out today if. I like that the U.S. government are the bad guys in that situation, that they did take this being that, you know, it was a humanoid being and they just it, they have shut it away for however many years. They just put him in this this cage and experimented on him in the film. Obviously, it's it's changed to Siberia and the Russians, which it feels more like an homage to Superman Red Sun. Um, but I really like that. Like you said, there is just an even Barry kind of uh, Barry 
wants to save Superman because he knows that he is he's the person that they can rally behind. He is the most powerful being on the planet. And when they get him out there, you know, he it, I love the moment that he sees the sun. and He just says that it's it's beautiful because he's never gotten to see that. And I do like this idea that, yes, he is he's scared of his abilities when they they manifest and he he runs away. But no matter what universe you find Superman in, he there is always just this inherent goodness in him that he will come back to this fight. And, you know, he doesn't he doesn't necessarily have a, a vested interest in it, but he wants to stop aquaman and wonder woman you know stop their forces from destroying the world that he just that there is this there's just this thing that is his greatest superpower is his heart that he will come back and help these people that helped him get an actual chance at a a real life and and i also like that in this world with the absence of a superman that there there does that that void does need to be filled and i like that cyborg is the person that fills that void that he is he he's he is the closest analog to what Superman would be uh, in this universe. Yeah, and uh, I think that you know you see these you know sort of a, a very a very alternate reality, an infinite Earth sort of uh, version of some of these characters getting together and trying to figure out what's the best. Uh, to your point about the the U.S. government, obviously, if an otherworldly being landed in any country that government is like, yeah, we're gonna, uh, we're not gonna, you know, make him a citizen. <laughs> we're mm-hmm. not going to put enroll him in Smallville high, you know, we're going to figure out how to weaponize this. Yeah. If he landed mm-hmm. in, landed in China, he landed in Brazil, you know, wherever he would have landed, they would have been like, I-, I think we have to uh, protect yeah. ourselves and figure out how we can use this. Uh, yeah. So it is interesting that it's the, it's the Russians uh, in the, in the film version that part of it doesn't really matter quite as much in terms of sort of hitting the the key beats. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I believe that there's also, I mean, I know that they've sort of mined this flashpoint timeline, but uh, I know that they've, they've, exp- they've done a specific flashpoint Superman, right. That deals with this version of the character, right? Yes. The, one of the tie-ins, I can't remember off the top of my head who wrote it, but um, there was a, there was a tie-in that explored, I believe, you know, what he kind of, what he kind of saw, and then, uh, you know, when he leaves, uh, and then before his reentry into the story, and then he he was most recently featured again in um, the Flashpoint Beyond. Uh, I have not read that story, but I know that he he did feature in that a little bit, and he has come to resemble the Superman that we're all familiar with just a little bit more. Right, exactly. Uh, so, of course, you know, we'll see we see some very familiar faces in this uh, Deathstroke, uh, Clayface, and you can you can help me and uh, help <laughs> help jog the memory of anybody yeah. that you thought it was interesting to see these other versions of. But for the most part, you know, the focus is really on Flash and Thomas Wayne. Mm-hmm. And halfway through the series, we uh, have the reverse Flash which is something that I had heard of. I'd heard reference, especially as the movie was getting closer, but I'd never seen. So his name is Ebord Thon. I don't, it's such a, 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 Yeah. Yes. All right. Well, you know, I'd never heard it said. I just read it. That's always yes. the tough thing. Uh, and I think it, it's, it's one of those, it's a great reveal that it's like, Oh no, Barry, you don't even remember. I didn't need to do this. You did this. Yeah. You decided to go and save your mom, and you broke time. And uh, I thought that uh, it, it was a it was a good reveal. 
And, uh, you know, Barry, obviously, you know, at one point he has a reverse flash ring, but he's like, I ain't putting on that yellow suit, you know? Mm -hmm. So I thought, I thought that they did a good job setting the tone for like, okay, this, they're clearly, these are the big adversaries here. Uh, What did you think about this, you know, being an opportunity for the reverse flash to kind of have a a victory lap, at least in the middle part of the story, not the way it ends, but it's just like, is it just, you know, what is it's everything you want, you know, it's like, it's like if the if the Joker were to watch Batman beat someone to death with his bare hand, he would just laugh the whole time because he's like, "I told you," you know. Yeah. So it, it's, it's some yeah. some variation on that, right? Yeah. Well, I really, as someone who has read Flash Rebirth, you know, that was really my my introduction to the Barry Allen character. I was familiar right. with him. I had, you know, I I'm more of a, a Wally West uh, guy, and so I. I would say if you have read this story uh, and you want a little more context, I think Flash Rebirth and Flashpoint, they go hand in hand. They are, I think they are a part one and part two story in many, many ways. Um, And the the big reveal in that book is, you know, Barry Allen comes back from from his death in Crisis on Infinite Earths. And pre-Crisis, the Barry Allen's parents uh, were, they, they were still alive. They were uh you know his, his dad wasn't in prison and his mother his mother was alive and when he came back from the dead um there was a a a large retcon that is the the origin that we know of Barry Allen that he too is a hero who whose origin is steeped in tragedy that his mother mysteriously died his father was put away from it uh for right. it and the reveal in Flash Rebirth which established that retcon was that it is an in-universe retcon that Eobard Thawne went back in time and he killed Barry's mother uh, and that, that I've always really liked their dynamic, especially, uh, the flash TV show has done a, a really good job adapting it and making that, that relationship its own. And yeah, I, I love that in, in making this a companion piece to flash rebirth, that is very much a story of, I went back in time and I ruined your life and I'm going to rub your face in it. Cause I'm going to, cause Abarthon, for those that aren't familiar, he is from the 25th century. And he he's his origin is that he's just he was an obsessed fanboy of the Flash. He he loved him. He wanted to be him. He gave himself uh, Flash powers, and he went back in time and was like, "Let me be your psychic. I I love you so much. Let me let me be you." And he was disappointed with the man that he he met. That this this you know he kind of thought he was almost like a square. Thought he was too much of a paragon of of hope and truth. And so his whole thing was, "Well, then I'm going to replace you." And that just kept getting worse and worse and worse. And so what I, uh, to b- back to my point was, I, I love that Flash Rebirth is a story where he changes things and he he gloats about it. This is a story where he's just having fun. He's just kicked back, relaxed. I didn't do anything. I didn't even have yeah. to come up with a new scheme after you beat me in Flash Rebirth. I just got, because you did this, I was unaffected by this. I remember everything too. And I exist out of time now. So I, I get to watch you destroyed the world and I get to just gloat about it and enjoy this, this victory over you. He doesn't get to enjoy it that long, um, which is also an interesting connection. I don't want to get too spoilery, but uh, the antagonistic force in the flash film, it is interesting that much like Eobard, he is not, this antagonistic force doesn't have a super big role that they, they really show up one time early on and then, their role is mostly in the third act. I thought that was just Correct, kind of an yeah. interesting coincidence, um, a cosmic coincidence. Uh, but yeah, I love how Abard is used in this story that he is, 
he's not the villain of the story. He just, because he's the Flash's arch nemesis, he just it gets to enjoy all of it. Right, exactly. He's the uh, the <laughs> the happy beneficiary of some uh, some good luck for him, but obviously yeah. some very bad luck for Barry. You were talking about how obviously uh, Airbard is also able to he's re- able to remember, and I thought that was the interesting thing that you don't always get in your time travel stories, which is this idea that the memories for Barry in this timeline start supplanting the ones he had, you know, the great comparison, which of course is something that gets referred to always in time travel, which is back to the future. Marty McFly has that picture of his, his siblings and they start to disappear as as the movie goes along. And then his hands start to disappear. He always remembers everything. I think that was kind of an interesting thing because it adds the urgency, like in back to the future where it's like, he doesn't have unlimited time to try and fix this. He is, uh, he's basically, you know, uh, sorry, he is, he has to try to fix this before he forgets. And then he'd be like, wait, he'd be in a room with Thomas Wayne. Like, who are you? What are we doing? Yeah. yeah. So I thought that was, uh, it, it was a great device, you know, and, uh, I uh, I loved uh, Andy Kubert's work on uh, X Men Wolverine wherever I'd seen him. So the fact uh, that this is him and uh, Jeff Johns, uh, yeah, this is a uh, th- this is basically the last thirty five years of comics is like, oh yeah, we have a great story. But if your story's really good, then it's like, oh, well, it's not going to happen in the actual book. We have to make it a standalone yes. miniseries. Um, I, before we talk about the way that it resolves, you know, you'd referenced this sort of sets up. Does this sets up New 52 specifically, or did, was the timing just such that they kind of made it tie into it? Or, or how does that – what are basically the repercussions of it uh, in the immediate uh, months that followed? So it's a bit of a bit of column A, a bit of column B. Uh, or a bit of column A, a bit of column B. Uh, it was it was a, a story arc in The Flash, and then they realized, oh, this is – could do some fun tie-ins to this, make an event. You know, this could be a fun fun story. And so that happened. And then I think, you know, uh, Dan DiDio, who was, who was over at DC at the time, head honcho, he he realized, you know, they wanted to do another uh, uh, wipe the slate clean. We're going to de-age the characters. We're going to have a fresh start. We want it to be similar to what we did after Crisis on Infinite Earths, except we're going we're going back to the early days. Everyone is is they're back to maybe they've been a superhero for a year, six months. That was something that the New 52 ran into where that wasn't clearly established. <laughs> um, and so that's why I do think the uh, they wanted to. Yeah, they wanted it to be a, a crisis, They, you know, that it was going to reset the timeline. So that's why those last few pages, they feel a little bit like, you know, when Barry's running back to the time time stream and he sees the three different, time, you know, oh, there's three timelines. And he's talked to by a woman, Pandora, um, that it all just kind of they had this story presented to them and they thought, well, we'll just have Barry, you know, he, he'll reset the timeline. Um, and so that was added in and that was, you know, well enough in advance that it, Jeff was able to fit it into the story. Although with how the new 52 established things, the ending doesn't make a ton of sense with how I, I like to, I, I like to, I like to think, not think too hard about the ending because it technically doesn't make sense with what followed, but. That's basically right. How that came you're to. you're speaking of the fact, uh, and again, this is you know, we're talking about this book. We're trying to not spoil the movie, but we are going to talk mm-hmm. about the way the book ends, which it, I think it, it is it is kind of a great moment, right? He he yes. has 
he has a letter that Thomas Wayne wrote for Bruce and is able to give it to Bruce, which is a great moment in the context of this story. But what are the problems with it in the bigger picture that they decided to just shrug off in the case of good storytelling? So it, the the big thing is it, it comes down to what they're wearing, uh, which sounds very odd. It sounds like I'm on the red carpet of a, a premiere <laughs> or something. Yeah. Um, but it, they're wearing their new 52 designs, which, okay, that implies that we are in the, the new universe that, that is created through the Flashpoint event um, that would go on to be the publishing line. But, okay, if this is new 52, these guys don't wh- – when does this take place? Because the first – book that followed flashpoint five was justice league number one which was they established this is five years before every other book that's going to come out this is how the justice league formed this is the first time they've ever met each other so when did barry how would barry have memories of flashpoint basically that he went and he met thomas wayne they never clearly the the letter is now a mainstay of, of Batman comics. It's in the it's in the Batcave, like you know the big penny and the giant T Rex, and it was it was there in the New Fifty Two, but it just it it just never they they never kind and it it didn't really make sense until they did their next relaunch rebirth, which said actually everything happened. The New Fifty Two happened. Everything before the New Fifty Two happened. Watchmen messed everything up. Just go the, <laughs> you can whatever you want to bring back, you can bring back. Um. It just it, it's just more so like a okay, can you tell us when this happened? And then do they go on to just forget this Barry just I think he, he may have a passing line about that about for kind of forgetting the events of Flashpoint, but it's just it just doesn't you, you when you think about it, because I for me it's always like sincerity over worrying about timelines, worrying about canon. That's why I, the moment I love the moment. And I don't really care about the timey-wimey stuff. But it, when you think about it, like, wait, but why are they dressed in their new 52 outfits? And how do they remember? How, when is this taking place is the biggest thing. It's like, when does this take place? Is It has always kind of people have, have gone and tried to figure this out is how does this make any sense? Nowadays, it makes more sense. But at the time, it was a little head scratching. Yeah, and I mean, that's kind of the the beauty when you're any kind of creator and you're telling time travel stories because the rules of time travel can be whatever you want them to be. Uh, for, you know, I keep, I keep going back to Marvel examples because that's what I'm most familiar with, but yeah. that's why I enjoy reading so many of these great uh, DC books like this one. But, you know, there there's a fundamental rule of time travel that Avengers Endgame decided to didn't matter, which is that the present-day version of Nebula kills her younger self and doesn't disappear. She just killed her younger self. So it's like, all right, that's the rule in this universe. So it's like, you just have to establish it and go with it because no one can tell, you know, no one can tell you like, no, that's not how time travel works. Exactly. I'm sorry to say that time travel is not real. I wish it was. I mean, in some ways, okay. I wish I could do it. I don't want anybody else to do it. I'd be more yeah. like a, I'd be more like old Biff Tannen and just you know getting old sports almanacs and placing bets. You know, I I'm not gonna I'm not gonna yeah. try and do anything. But you know what? Even that, it's like, you know, it'd be interesting. You know, to follow huh. like those minor events. The concept of the butterfly effect is actually fascinating. Yes, but you know, something major like, of course, it impacts so many things to for Flash to to save mm. his his uh, his mother's life. So. Yeah. But uh, so, yeah, I mean, I think it's a it's a cool story. And yeah, there it's not even like it's a problem. You're just like, wait, in relation to other stories, it doesn't quite make sense. 
but it's such mm. a great thing that you know flash traveling with the letter that's that's easy enough to understand mm. because it's on his person but yeah you're right yes it's really it really is yeah garrett's like the fashion police on e here you know He's yes like hold on those those are last season's colors barry but uh so yeah, I think that uh, this is great. Now, when they did their Flashpoint for the TV series, how much time did they spend? Did they do a whole season, or was it not quite that long? Oh, man. Take me back to those those days. <laughs> back in high school, reading comicbookmovie.com, reading stuff. Yeah. Oh, boy. Take me back. Um, that was the big thing, was the, the second season ends with, uh, you know, Barry Allen, He's in a pretty low point uh, and he decides, well, you know what? Because he tragedy strikes him once again. And so he decides, you know what? I, I you know, people try to console him after this recent tragedy. And you think maybe, maybe I, he's going to learn from it. Maybe he's going to finally enter into a relationship with, with Iris West. You know, there's all these, these things that seem like he had this tragedy, but he's going to learn from it. And then he goes back in time and he undoes, uh, what he allowed to happen in the first season, which was his mother, you know, he had the opportunity to, to do a flashpoint to stop it. And he, he ultimately his, his, he, he was urged not to do it. He didn't do it on. Uh, and then in the end of the second season, which I think is a very, it's uh it was well-structured the same thing in the finale. He chooses, okay, you know what? I'm going to go back and do it. And that was the cliffhanger. This is why sometimes I miss, you know, standard TV is because you only had to wait a few months for the the next chapter, but um, I remember that. I remember that summer vividly, where everybody speculated the whole summer. Oh man, they're it's gonna be flashpoint the whole season. Oh, they're gonna have, uh, you know, Oliver Queen's father will be, you know, in that universe, Green Arrow filled the Batman role. So they're like, oh, Robert Queen is gonna be flashpoint Green Arrow. Uh, I and there were so many, and this person will be the Superman. All those things. And it is resolved by the end of the, the season premiere. Uh, Barry is in the Flashpoint timeline. He doesn't like it. And, and once again, the uh, yes, first yeah, two Lewis episodes, Cox points into, pops up in the yes. chat. Flashpoint is the first two episodes of season three. So, yes. yeah. And, and I do always love those, uh, those, yeah, those summers between traditional TV series yes. where you're like, oh, my God, what's going to happen? And you have all these ideas and all these and like pretty much none of it happens, you know? Yes. Uh, and so, yeah, it, it's very, it is a lot less, you know, um, it, what I, what I like about that adaptation is that it is because of the show is the flash. It is, it's probably more similar to what the flashpoint book was going to be when it was just a story arc of the flash. It is, it's all centered on Barry. It is Barry's, you know, he, the reverse flash is there. Barry is keeping him captive, uh, because you know, he stopped him when he tried to kill his mom, but, he was, he was still like unconscious there. And so he's like, well, I can't just leave the guy. And so he, he puts him into, you know, captivity. Um, and it is interesting. He is sort of like a, a Hannibal Lecter, you know, Barry goes to him. Cause I mean, he has, he has to be humane. He has to feed the man. Um, and he, you know, he just goads him. He's like something, I know you, I tried to do this thing. And you came back to stop me, but you changed all this buddy. Like I, yeah, I yeah. had a plan you stopped me. And so what, what are we going to do? You're just going to keep coming and bringing me my, my three square meals a day. Like, what are we, what are, what is going, what is the, the natural end point to this? Cause you, you seem kind of, you, you have everything you want, but you're starting to seem miserable because you don't have the, the biggest change that I think really worked was in that show, Barry Allen and Iris West, uh, his, you know, she was in the film 
Uh, she's in the Flashpoint book a little bit. In that show, they have this this friendship that spans decades. They're friends from when they were a kid. They're, Barry's basically kind of adopted by her father. Um, and because he changed things, that that relationship just doesn't really exist at all. That she's, right. he, you know, he, before he changed everything, they were just on the verge of let's explore our feelings for each other. And then, you know, he changes everything. And then the next day, it's like she doesn't know who he is. And so... I think the biggest strength of the TV show version, yes, I will admit at the time I was upset I didn't get to see Robert Queen Green Arrow. Uh, I don't know what that really would have done for for Barry in in the at the time, but uh, I do like that it was very much centered on this is Barry's story, and it did have repercussions because even when he changed things back, it, you know they didn't do a full reboot like the New Fifty Two, but there were there were minor changes to people that he knew and to the history and things that he didn't he was oblivious to because he didn't understand the new history that he had inadvertently created. Right. Um, we're not talking uh, specifically about the new 52, but Lewis did have the comment. I don't like the new 52 flash suit. Uh, do you agree or disagree with Lewis in the chat about what follows flashpoint with the new 52 flash suit? Well, the suit is basically what's behind your head is, is that the biggest contribution that the new 52 had to Barry's suit was Let's put a bunch of lines on it to to imply whenever he was standing still, the lines would just be solid black. Whenever he would move, they would be yellow to to imply the speed force, kinetic energy, things like that. Um, I liked it when specifically Francis uh, Manipole would do it because he he did the art for the a good portion of the Flash book. Uh, I've always struggled with recent Barry Allen suits in general because they are just the Wally West suit minus some certain accoutrement. Uh, and especially in the new 52, it was just, he was just wearing Wally's suit with a bunch of lines on it basically. Um, but it, for me, it always came down to who was, who was doing it. You know, I think Jason Fabic also did a really good job with it. Um, there was a very, it's interesting because everything inevitably becomes the nineties again. Uh, everybody in the new 52 for some reason had armor. Superman had armor. Batman's costume was even more armor. Flash looked like he was wearing armor. Everybody had armor. It was just they, they ever there was armor everywhere where there didn't need to be armor. Um, I I like that now both Flash or actually Barry still has the lines. Uh, we can't escape the lines uh, at this point, but Wally at least doesn't. So if you don't like Barry's suit, you can always just go look at Wally's. And so uh, I, I think because uh, I I read uh, Crisis uh, within the last few years. It's actually where the idea for this show came from. I had a friend who mm -hmm. always said, "I can't believe you've never read Crisis," so he sent me a trade paperback, and that's kind of the idea for this show. And uh, you know, I so I know what I know from Crisis is that I guess Wally was basically Kid Flash up until that time. Then Barry dies. And it's very impactful in yes. in the in the series. You know, uh, Car Cara dies and uh, Barry Allen dies. Those are, you know, those are both huge moments in that story. Uh, so what is Wally? Maybe it's not even today, but after this. So when Barry comes back, what what happens to Wally? Is he just also Flash or what do they do? So um, a big a big uh, tradition of DC is is legacy. There's a lot more. If I, I mean, I. I, I'm not going to go on the record and say I know the exact number, but I think if you sure, look sure. at DC, there, there's a lot more legacy heroes in DC. Um, and Barry Allen is a legacy hero. He's the second right. Flash. Jay Garrick was the first Flash. And I think a lot of people kind of see Crisis on Infinite Earths as the the end of the Silver Age. I could have that kind of off, but Barry Allen really kicks off the Silver Age, and then he dies in Infinite Crisis. Not Infinite Crisis. There's too many crises. 
Uh, he he tried, so you guys many crisis on yeah. so many. We just had one last year. Yeah. Um, and so, yes, Wally West has to, he steps up, he becomes the flash after that. And Wally, I think for a lot of readers, uh, he, he's every, he's a lot of people's preferred flash. Uh, and not, I won't, again, I'm not going to get into numbers. I don't want Barry fans to come after me. Some people like when Bar Allen was the flash for like five minutes. Um, the you know he just he it was his supporting cast the fact that he was a family man that he had children you know he had children he had a wife he had all these things he really was one of the the characters that stepped up he joined the justice league he in a similar way to how people feel so strongly about nightwing like myself it was we're seeing this character graduate we're seeing them become their own man and then when barry came back after final crisis um he came back during final crisis but uh yes he and so that was we didn't get too much of this status quo um in flash rebirth they they give barry and wally very distinct suits uh and it's even the suit that wally is currently wearing right now he has his own emblem all those different things and um i don't think they ever truly struck the they because the reboot came i don't think they ever really had to think like well, should there be two books? Should there be one book? Should they trade off? Should they be co-leads? Because the Flash book just became about Barry again. And then New 52 happens. Wally West isn't anywhere to be found. Then there's a different character, an, an African-American Wally West that pops up. He's a, he's the new kid Flash. And then, uh, and so the original redhead Wally West seemingly doesn't exist. And then, then we get Flash Rebirth, or uh, DC Rebirth, which... Okay, Wally West is back. He he's back. It's the same one. He's wearing his Kid Flash outfit again, but he remembers the old universe, and now everybody remembers the old universe. And so now we have two characters named Wally West, but one they're both named after the same. They're related. They're named after the same grandfather, but the newer, younger Wally West uh, goes by Wallace, and now he goes by Ace West. And then okay. our original Wallace West is now just Wally again, and. Now they have, I think, oh man, uh, now I think that they have finally struck the chord. They understand now. Barry is much more of like a a cosmic explorer now. Wally is back being the everyman Flash. He is the the preeminent Flash. He's the star of the Flash book now. Um, So to answer your question in a very long-winded way, they have just now finally figured out, uh, I think, I can't remember exactly when Flash Rebirth came out, 2007, 2008, around there. Uh, they have finally, in uh, in the last like two three years, figured out. Okay, this is how we can have our cake and eat it too. We can have both. They can both exist. We don't need to pit them against each other. But Wally's the main flash. Right. No. And and it's always like you know when you get like the adaptation. You know, so we're talking about Flashpoint. It's always like, oh, how does it? Uh, how how are the ripple effects? You know, happen. Mm. What what's the aftermath of it? And then that's where it starts to get confused. You know, I mean, yes. I I I read you know uh, all the X Men books for a solid fifteen years, and people try to tell me what's going on now, and I'm like, you know what? It's okay. You you yeah. it, it's all right. You don't have to. Uh, again, Lewis. Uh, uh, thanks to I believe Flashpoint in the show, we get two Wally. Yeah, the red-haired Wally. Yeah, and the African-American Wally. It is confusing. Yeah, no, exactly. And so, uh, but it, it, yeah, I think that's when you get into the uh, which Flash does uh, you know suits a specific story, which creators mm-hmm. have a preference for it. But you just get more Flash, and yeah. I, I think that's the key. Well, obviously, anybody who's uh, been uh, listening to us or watching us. 
I would definitely recommend watching, uh, re- sorry, reading the Flashpoint comic, but also mm-hmm. check out the movie. Is there one thing as we wind down here, Garrett, is there one thing from the Flashpoint comic book or maybe it was on the series that wasn't in the movie? Is there something like, oh, it's too bad this moment wasn't in there or was there not anything that presented itself to you? Um, I, I, you know, I, I know a lot of people did want Thomas Wayne to be the the Batman in the film. Uh, obviously, Jeffrey Dean Morgan, uh, the actor who portrayed Thomas Wayne in Batman v Superman. Uh, he ever since he was cast, the second he was cast back in 23, like 2014 or so, everybody was like, oh, he's going to be Flashpoint back. They have to have yeah, they had to have signed him on for that. And uh, and I think even when the film was announced as Flashpoint, people wanted that. And it would have been interesting to see that I did. I, you know, I liked using Michael Keaton and using a Bruce Wayne in that role. Um, I also, uh, it's, it's, it's always like a double-edged sword. It's like, I would have liked to seen Thomas Wayne. I like how Keaton Bruce was used. It, another one is, uh, I liked the, the, uh, the conflict between, uh, the mascara and Atlantis. And when you have, you know, you have Jason Momoa and you have, uh, Gal Gadot in the movie, um, it would have been interesting to see that play out on the big screen, but I also like, well, we're going to tie it back to man of steel and use this conflict. That's already in this cinematic universe to be our, our conflict. Um, so I, I and, and then I think actually, you know what, I think the biggest one and obviously, uh, the reason why it didn't really happen was because of, uh, some bad things that happened on the studio side and things that yeah. shouldn't have happened was uh cyborg Ray Fisher in some of the earlier versions of the film cyborg was going to feature in it. We don't know how, uh, and his role just kept as more time went on, his role just kept getting cut out. And I implore people to look into that on, on their own time. Um, I would say cyborg. Uh, I, that, I think, that, yeah, that yeah. was, that was clear. The biggest difference when I was reading yes. the flashpoint comic is, you know, how involved cyborg was and, you know, Barry in the movie does look for him. He tries to find him. Uh, but then, yeah, it doesn't go anywhere. And yeah, that's, uh, you know, you can, uh, it, it, you can think what you want about anything that precipitated it, but when it gets so that Ray Fisher was suing the studio, Obviously, he wasn't going to be in this movie, you know, it's, yeah. uh, wh- whether he's right, whether he's not, that, that doesn't even matter. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think uh, that's, you know, it, it, that that's one of those where who knows what James Gunn wants to do with Cyborg, you know, yeah. maybe we'll get him sometime soon, but uh, maybe we won't. Well, I really enjoyed reading this and I loved uh, talking to you about it, uh, Garrett, especially time. because we'd already... We'd already talked about the Flash movie just a, just a, uh, about a little bit more than a week ago. Yeah. Actually, that was the beginning of this week. I'm sorry. It I've was. Had quite, I've had <sighs> such a week this week that I forgot that that was on Monday. That we yes. Wow, that's the same week. <laughs> we bookended the week. <laughs> yeah, exactly. A little Flash. Uh, and uh, if you want more Flash talk from us, you can find that most recent episode of Geekscape. Uh, yes. Also, I'll be uh, talking about it with uh, my friend John Nolan on my personal podcast, The Blackcast, B-L-A-D-T-C-A-S-T. You'll see that uh, the the week of the last week of June. So whenever that is, that's uh, the 26th, the week of the 26th. Yes. Uh, so plenty more Flash conversation. It's a. Uh, it's a very specific conversation uh, with my friend John because uh, he, uh, he he this is someone I'll tell you this Garrett he saw the uh, Joss Whedon version of Justice League in the theater seven times 
he was just so excited to see the characters on the big screen and he knew that okay. the movie was flawed but um, i saw it twice but, i I, yeah. I don't begrudge him that's not seven times no nowhere near <laughs> yeah uh and uh he has a he has some big problems with uh the flash which i don't have the same you know these aren't my characters probably x-men apocalypse hurt me a lot more than it hurt him i understand <laughs> gotcha. you know i get it. although to be fair i think x-men apocalypse hurt all of us you know <laughs> Like anyone who sat to watch it. it had no it has yeah it has the storm that i like the most with the mohawk and it has caliban yeah so you see like all the magneto stuff that's true oh yeah that's right you did a you tweeted about the i had I, I made a big old essay for some random thing no, on like but, a it, but the michael fassbender uh magneto was yes. was there was a it's hard to say because I think James McAvoy was good too, but Michael Fassbender yes. is so good in those movies that very uh, yes, yeah. So maybe we'll maybe we'll have to do a, a Fassbender. Uh, I, I have to. I'll have to rewatch those movies because I know. Sign that, me up. Sign sign Garrett up for that. But Garrett, if people want to keep in touch with you and see what's going on, uh, where can they find you? Uh, you can find me at uh, Garrett Briones, G A R R E T T B R I O N E S on Instagram and also. Uh, not just a guy uh, productions. That's my, uh, my YouTube thing. My it's all my short films, all my audio dramas, everything are going to be made through that entity. So you can follow that on Instagram and Twitter at not just a guy prod P R O D. Um, but yeah, that's mostly where I'm, I'm at at the moment. If not at like a sandwich shop or something like that, or, or having a double feature at the movies on Sunday. So uh, yes, and- and you'll be able to, as always, find me on Twitter and Instagram at Christian DMZ. And I do, as I mentioned, I have my personal podcast, The Black Cast, which has a YouTube channel and an audio feed, B-L-A-D-T-C-A-S-T. And here on Geekscape uh, is the show that we do, uh, Marvel Movie Talk, which just moved over here. We're covering Secret Invasion every Wednesday, episode by episode. Uh, we'll have to uh, create some uh, artificial intelligence opening credits for our version of the show as well, just to be in sync. Uh, we've already talked about the first episode. You'll find that, and we will do all six. And speaking of Secret Invasion, at the end of July, when Geekscape Book Club returns, uh, we will indeed be reading Secret Invasion, the Ooh. main one. Not, I can't do all the spinoffs and things all the time. No, they're just going to do the main I have story. My- my trade is right over there. I brought after watching the first episode, I grabbed it to reread it and and just be like, "Wow, they didn't tell a story anywhere near as good as that." <laughs> but, uh, you know, I'm uh, I'm reserving judgment on a lot of things with the TV series for there. Gotcha. You know, I'm like, you know, it's a slow it's a slow build. It's not like a yeah. movie. Uh, we'll see what they do, but it's clearly very different from the comics. Yes. So. Um, so we'll talk about that there. You'll find it on Geekscape. And uh, when you want to know when that episode's going to be, you can just follow me, as I said, on Twitter and Instagram, Christian DMZ. Thanks again, Garrett. Thanks to Lewis Cox in the chat. Everybody who is watching the archive version, leave comments wherever you listen. Always let us know. Let us know what you're interested in us reading in the future. It will be Secret Invasion next month. Probably going to do some Spider-Verse this year, but there's still a lot of room for us to explore. So as long as they keep writing them, we'll keep reading them. We'll see you next time on the Geekscape Book Club. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.